Hi, welcome to the latest episode of our myth-busting session. Uh, This is the second season of our Accidental Marketer podcast. Um, I'm Mary Abazia, and with me is Tom Spitali. Hi, Tom. Hi, Mary. Hey, and Sean, welcome. Hey, Mary. Hey, Tom. Good. Okay, good. So we're all here. Um, You know, often we hear uh, after we work with our clients and they identify very well what the customer needs are, um, we, of course, go to what are the competencies that are relevant. And um, we often have companies say, my IP is the most important thing and I have to protect it at all costs. Um, and so today's myth that we want to bust is the notion that you should protect your intellectual property at all costs, even if it turns out that you may be in something that, that is called a closed ecosystem. So, Tom, you know, this sounds obvious. Uh, so, of course, why should you protect your IP? Is this, what would make this be a myth that we want to bust? Yeah, I think the, the, the myth that we're suggesting here is that you shouldn't protect your IP at all costs. But let's explain that a little bit. Um, What we've noticed in the B2B world is that companies, especially in like industrial sort of equipment or machine-oriented industries like commercial um, uh, air conditioning or people that help get oil out of the ground, it used to be that your competitive advantage, your IP, your intellectual property, if you will, was you know, how your machines were constructed and, and what they did. And, and, and that is still a source of competitive advantage, but it's difficult to hold on to any sort of um, advantage when it comes to machines or anything physical. We live in a world where it's easy to copy physical traits of machines and any advantage you have is short-lived. But what's happening is these companies, again, like commercial HVAC providers or oil services providers, they're increasingly digitizing their equipment. Their equipment is smart. And their equipment generates data that is useful to the customer. Not Not just in its own right, but in the way that the customer is using that data in a broader ecosystem that as you kind of think about your entire building in a commercial HVAC situation or your entire well and oil drilling operations, in that ecosystem might be several providers' equipment, not just you know one company, but several companies. And some of those companies are working with their competitors. So that's a long explanation, but what's happening is our, we're seeing our clients have to face the question, do I allow that data to flow to the broader ecosystem? In essence, allow that data to be visible to my competitors on behalf of allowing my customer to create a more efficient entire ecosystem and a more efficient building a more efficient well drilling operation? And it's a difficult question. You know, do you protect that IP and say, no, you have to work with us. You have to only use our equipment in the entire ecosystem. We call that a closed ecosystem. Do you make that decision? Or do you allow that data to flow, you know, completely to whoever's in the ecosystem on behalf of the customer? We see companies making sort of both types of choices, not at the same time, one or the other. 
So I thought it'd be interesting after we've described this dilemma a little bit to ask Sean and Mary to debate a little bit both sides of that issue. Maybe start with Sean. Sean, what would be the argument for a company to continue to protect that data, that intellectual property, if you will, rather than let it flow into an entire ecosystem for the customer? Yeah, I, I think it's there's no hard and fast rule, first of all. There's no like uh, absolute, you always should or you always shouldn't. It will, of course, depend very much on the circumstances. But just to take it to a more extreme view, a more proprietary view, you know, it's leverage. If you have insights and data that are of value to your customer, then obviously you shouldn't, you know, hide them. You shouldn't, you shouldn't make them unavailable, but you should try to leverage them to enhance your overall offer to increase, if you like, their dependability upon the whole product and service, not just what your product does, but the data it collects. I mean, I don't have an example from oil exploration or or HVAC, but when I was in the finance business, there was an ongoing debate about who owned the customer data because we as the financer would have a details of, of everything that they had been paying, the the value of the asset they had. This was typically in car finance or car leasing. And the dealership group would really want that data because it's good marketing data. And if we just made it freely available, they could, of course, take that data and place future deals with a competitive bank. So that gave us an amount of leverage, if you like. You keep dealing with us and we can cycle this data and everyone's a winner. So you create win-wins. And I guess if you've got something of value and you're not extracting some of that value for yourselves, albeit in, in customer retention or enhanced yields or doing something, you are giving away the family silver. So the argument for companies to keep it is, is you have something of value, leverage it, make it pay, make it work for you, and don't give it away just because it seems like a nice thing to do, I guess. Be hard-nosed about the value of that data. Wow. Well, Mary, Sean. are you going to take the customer yeah. side? That's oh, a strong of argument. Of course. I feel like we need to drink beer to talk about this stuff. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mary, um, how, how, how do you know I'm not drinking beer? Can I just point out you're making an assumption there, and it may not be safe. I may start. <laughs> um, I think that I think that one of the things that um, you brought up is value, and and some of it is um, how you measure that value and who's trying to measure the value. So you know, short term value. Any company can take a short term look at. I have to protect this so that you know I can I can extract as much money from my customer, and that's valid. But um, there are some opportunities for customers, especially ones that. Um, are in a segment called work with me. And those are the ones that are willing to partner and are, are going to squeeze you on every piece of what you're providing. They're going to say, you know, let's look at this bigger picture together. And I am willing to give you the value, but I also want to work with you to understand what's coming out of my, you know, air conditioner or out of my well or out of any other piece of equipment that may be on my property that I need to understand and learn to manage better as well. So, so there is value, but it's, I think, a lot of times where you measure it. Um, and, you know, if you look at a customer, a different segment that is pretty much like do it all for me, um, those are probably good ones to continue to 
you know, extract value like that because they they aren't going to have that same mindset. And they probably won't, even if you gave them the data, they're not going to do much with it anyway. So, you know, they're complaining about something they may not actually be able to use. So I I think where I sit on this is is, is segmentation here more than even some of the other places is key because we've seen in one industry two companies that are both very solid have a lot of amazing IP one chooses to be a very closed system and they serve a set of customers that I think are more like that do it for me and there's another set of customers is is like no we're going to work together to figure out this this industry and they have an open system and you know I think both it'll be interesting to see who wins in the long term but right now it looks like they're they're able to to divide that up that way. But Sean, do you have any counterpoints to my points? <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I, I no just think calling, that, Sean. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll keep it. I'll keep it professional. Um, I, I think that the another thing that come, came to my mind is is when, when I talk about extracting value, I, I made it sound more like a hostage situation, right? You know, we've we've got these data points and and if you want to see them ever again you've got to pay this or do this ransom or whatever and, and clearly that's not really what i i mean but it does create an opportunity to further develop your offer you know if let's face it the the era of of the internet of things and smart devices and, and massive data capture is upon us it's not something over the horizon it's 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 real you know maybe a smart company would rather than think about how do we protect what they see as their data, the data their devices are collecting. How about developing a system for providing the insights? Because as we know from experience, data is nothing without the analytics and the insights that that delivers. So, you know, maybe you should be thinking um, if data is important, why don't we create the hub? Why don't we be the, the analytical arm and use that to further enhance your offer that's still understanding the value but maybe you take the lead and make it somebody else's problem so other suppliers are forced to supply data into this into this ecosystem if you like into this analytical engine because it'll be demanded of by the vendor and i think the other point you you raise mary which is true it, it all depends on the power that exists you know it's kind of back to porter's five forces if you've got tremendous supplier power you can dictate terms to an extent. If you have huge customer, huge buying power, then they will tell you exactly what you have to do. You know, if, if you've got a customer that can dictate terms like the supermarkets do to, say, dairy farmers, right, you will deliver this product at this price in this way on these times. You know, there's no debate. It's absolute. Uh, the power is all in the, in the retailer side in that thing. So I, I, I think... You need to assess where the power lies and also where the opportunity lies, which is why I said at the beginning, there's no hard and fast rule. You've got to take a strategic view of how you fit into the the, the sort of market forces, where your power is, how much that data enhances your power and leverage it, you know, and make sure that if you are in a lower power position and are forced to supply data to whoever it is that's got the uh, the the analytical engine, if you like, whoever's collating it, then then just make sure that your data is robust and good, and you're you're always adding value. So, yeah. you know, I, I think it depends on where you start. But Sean, I, you, you you mentioned a word. I don't. I think I might have said it. Maybe I didn't earlier, but it's an important word because it. Re, I think it re represents the middle ground in this argument. The word is ecosystem. Okay, hmm. because. Um, 
you know, you can be closed and proprietary or completely open. But I think what we're seeing a lot, it's not just in the B2B space, we also see it in the B2C space in arenas like the smart home or in B2B, the smart building. What's happening is that certain certain suppliers uh, of, of the entire solution are banding together and making sure that the data and the interoperability of their equipment is works from the get-go. And so they build these ecosystems and the choice now becomes, because there's always a choice, it's never easy, right, is which ecosystem am I going to play in? When you start thinking about things like the, the smart home, you know, am I going to be a part of the, the Google home ecosystem or is Apple going to get into this game? Do I want to be a part of that ecosystem and does my smart home equipment play there? These are the choices that those that are somewhere in the middle, you know, deciding to maybe not let their data flow completely freely, no matter who they work with, but not being closed either. These are the choices that they're starting to make now, which ecosystem is going to win and, and, and how many of these ecosystems can I be compatible with? You see the same thing, Mary? Yeah, I think I think that that's right. Um, I, and when you say ecosystems, it also reminds me that, you know, this world that we're in now is significantly different than five years ago. And so, you know, I think you can't, as a, as a company, as clients, they can't look at it in yesterday's world, but really tomorrow's world, because any, you know, any um, innovations and investments that are being made are for the future. And I think you're right is, is we're seeing, especially when data comes into play before, if it was just a piece of equipment, this probably wasn't as much of an issue. But now that, you know, you have AI and big data and, you know, you have all these things that, that data is being used for. And as Sean said, rightfully, that it's to gain so many more insights. I think that that is probably one of the ways that you have to say, if the future is going to be this, how should our company fall in this decision? Should we actually start to open up at least parts of it, at least parts where you're going to provide either the data or the insights, but you don't have to necessarily give away all your secret recipes of your um, of your main equipment, perhaps. I mean, that might be another way of looking at that. I mean, I think on that, Mary, that, that, that's kind of, you know, how I see it, if it, it, it depends on the completeness of your data to, to an extent. You know, if you've got a very small part of data, if you're in a hospital and you've got data from some of your diagnostic machines, but they only represent 10 or 15% of all the diagnostics that go on in that hospital, then your data is incomplete and therefore less valuable and arguably is more valuable if it's leveraged with other suppliers data to create a full picture for the for the hospital if you have 85 percent then you're in a pretty strong position to take the lead and the initiative and if you happen to be in a situation where you have a hundred percent of the data where you don't rely on any any third party information then you would have zero incentive to share it and, and ultimately it's the market and the customers that, that will drive this because it'll be a prerequisite won't it if someone says you don't have data, you can't supply us information on, on how this equipment is used or what it's monitoring or any other relevant data points, then you'll be out of the game. So to a large extent, 
it's not going to be a choice unless you have that that you know you're you're king of the hill unless you're sat in a really strong position you're you're going to have to supply that data so the question becomes not one of should you shouldn't you it's how can you position yourselves how can you innovate towards making your 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 footprint if you like bigger and more important it's probably a strategic question that wasn't relevant five six years ago but it's pretty important now it's mm-hmm. getting harder I, the Sean, I agree with you. If you're dominant, you can you can make different choices. But what I see in B2B is in many cases, the people that service equipment, fix it when it breaks, are different from the people that sell it. And many times the people that sell it have a servicing arm, if you will. Again, I'm thinking commercial HVAC, but it's probably the same with your example of hospital equipment, right? You can make a choice. Do I have the same company that sold it, service it and maintain it? Or do I have a preferred, you know, provider, oftentimes, many times, maybe local, maybe independent. And if that's the situation, it is a tricky question. Do I open up, you know, the, the, the black box to an independent service company so that they can really maybe even preventatively diagnose the machine or do I keep it do I keep it secret so that they have to hire my servicing arm it's and again a lot of that's driven by the the customers you look at British Airways had their engine shop in South Wales and they sold it to GE who obviously manufacture engines but they Rolls-Royce are their biggest competitor in, in the large jet engine um, this shop serviced all of British Airways engines, which included Rolls-Royce and GE. So you had this GE shop servicing Rolls-Royce engines. Now, did they like that? Would if they if would that be their preference? I guess not. But what's the alternative? Say to British Airways um, or for Rolls-Royce to, to to say no, we're not going to supply you with any more engines. You know, again, it's down to, to that power. And I think there's a commercial reality that that data because and i mentioned that because you can't service an engine without having the data feed from you know its performance right. data and so forth so you know sometimes you you uh you're, you're going to be forced into this which again points that you know it's something you need to put onto the strategic roadmap and think how how is data going to change our business and what should our, our our position be and how do we move towards that otherwise you'll just be a victim yeah tom any closing thoughts well i think it it it, it points out a number of strategic decisions. I know we've posed a lot of questions, but you know, I think we, we try to help our clients work through these things. I mean, sometimes the answer is, as, as you mentioned, Mary, is, is segmentation. Sometimes the answer, as Sean has talked about, is to kind of you know, really assess what's the strength and, and power of our competitive advantage and sort of you know, play out some scenarios um, for how, how you know, what's the best possible way for us to differentiate ourselves and continue to, to do that while keeping our customers happy. And it's, it, it, it's not easy, but it can be solved. That's good. So I think we busted that myth a little bit. <laughs> so if there are other new topics or feedback that, or even you want to weigh in on this topic, um, please go to theaccidentalmarketer.com and you can click on the podcast button you could also give us feedback directly, you know, on our emails or um, or in our website. And then iTunes, uh, they, there's a place you can give ratings. So we'd love to, to hear any of your thoughts. Thank you. And we look forward to uh, seeing you on one of the next podcasts.